Welcome to the Denver Snuffer Podcast. Today, Denver answers the question. Some people believe that rebaptism, receiving the new covenant, and so forth are not necessary for them because of their bloodlines, race, previous ordination or religion, affiliation with a tribe of Israel, etc. Some believe that they do not need to obey all of the Ten Commandments or other teachings of Christ, or that some parts of the restoration now underway are not necessary for them to accept or live by. Are there some parts that don't apply to some people, or must every person accept every part of what is now being offered in order to be right with God? The specific question here, which is a long question, uh, comprehends uh, an issue, and it's more the issue I want to address than it is the, um, this lengthy question. Problems present themselves when um, there are those who uh, are participants in a fellowship or have aligned themselves with, um, with people that, that are trying to uh, faithfully worship and continue the process of the restoration. And among the group of people, there are those who think that parts of what one person believes is not essential or important, or they outright reject the um, other portion of what's going on. Um, here's the... Here's the purpose of the restoration. It is to return and reestablish on earth again a religion that existed and was taught to Adam in the first generation. The purpose is not to create a New Testament church. It's not to revive and revitalize Judaism. All of the um, Judeo-Christian religions are relics, and they're incomplete relics. They are not what existed before. When Moses went up on the mount to meet with God and received from him an initial revelation, he came down from the mount bringing with him a more fulsome restoration than what the children of Israel were willing to receive at that time. And so the initial revelation to Moses got destroyed, and it was replaced by something else. That something else was intended to point to the coming of a Messiah. The Messiah was symbolized in every one of the rites of the Law of Moses from the Passover that occurred before the Law of Moses right down to all of the observances in the uh, books of Exodus and Leviticus where you're making specific sacrifices for specific problems. Each one of those involved a covenantal representation, type and shadow of a Messiah that would come to offer a sacrifice that would count. It's like the Apostle Paul wrote to the Hebrews, trying to get it through their tradition that the shedding of the blood of oxen and sheep 
and rams, that, that shedding of blood by these things cannot remove anyone's sin. They're simply pointing to some thing, some sacrifice that actually could remove people's sin. And then he testifies to the, um, the Hebrews in, in that letter that <clears throat> that great sacrifice was Jesus Christ whom they rejected. It was expected that they would reject him. The, uh, the chief cornerstone would be set at naught. Um, just like it's expected that the Gentiles will reject the fullness of the gospel, it was expected that the Jews would reject the Messiah. And so <clears throat> the fact that someone thinks that there is a religion they would like to participate in short of the fulsome restoration of the religion that goes back to the time of Adam, they are really behaving like the Jews who rejected the Messiah or the Gentiles who rejected the fullness of the restoration. What they're saying is, we will go thus far but no further, and therefore they're really not interested in the work that God is attempting to complete. When Christ said, thou shalt live by every word which proceedeth forth from the mouth of God, he wasn't talking merely about whatever the canon of scripture was in their day. He wasn't talking about his own sermons. He was talking about the work that God has to do. That work in every generation has remained incomplete from the days of Adam until now. It's still incomplete. That doesn't mean that you can't pick up the Old Testament and find a way that is enriching and perhaps even deeply satisfying in worshiping God through what you learn in the Old Testament. That doesn't mean that you can't take both the Old Testament and the New Testament and find a um, empowering, rewarding, richly edifying religion in accepting that. It also doesn't mean that you can't be someone that accepts the Book of Mormon in addition to all of the foregoing. You can find yourself a satisfying, delightful religion by being a Latter-day Saint, by being a member of the community of Christ. Any number of religions can give to you something that's satisfying. The purpose that is underway right now, however, is to do what Christ admonished be done. That is, to live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God. We cannot see the fulfillment of the covenants and the promises that were given in the prophecies without living by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God today. There is an enormous amount of work to be done. You can have your individual religious connection with God, but you're not aligning yourselves with the complete restoration that was interrupted by the death of Joseph and Hiram Smith. There's work left to be done. Part of the work of rebuilding the, um, 
the restoration and remembering and honoring what went before was an act of penitence, an act of group repentance, an act of sincere, devoted, um, deliberate confession of the failure, acknowledging the failure preliminary to the act of repenting and returning and recovering. That is an effort that an individual can always repent of their sins, but God wants a people to repent as a people of their sins. Covenants don't get given out generally one-on-one with God when he's trying to create a people. Covenants get given out to people. The purpose of the extending of the covenant in Boise was God um, acknowledging and recognizing this confession of the sins, the, the confession of the failure, the desire to repent and return. And what we had in the, in the record, in the scriptures, had been altered, had been corrupted, had been uh, manipulated, just like the New Testament canon underwent uh, alterations during the third and fourth century in the Christological debates of the third and fourth century in order for one side to win their argument about the nature of Jesus Christ, they changed the content of the New Testament so that the New Testament supported their view of Jesus Christ. Like that, there were those in the early days of Mormonism who felt that they had the right to make sure that revelations through Joseph Smith conformed to their view of what they thought would be the right way. And so changes and alterations and insertions got made not only into scripture, but also into historical documents. Letters were changed, journal entries were changed, duplicate journals were put together in order to replace uh, journals that did not corroborate. And so the the corruption that happened in the um, New Testament era has been mirrored in the restoration through Joseph Smith in our era. All the world's religions basically are created in a single generation. Between um, Moses and Joshua and Caleb and Aaron, Judaism was created in one generation. Now, some things got added later through subsequent prophets, but the root of that religion was in one generation. Christianity got created in a single generation that include Zechariah and John and Jesus and Peter and the Twelve and Paul and then Barnabas and a few outliers. But a single generation created uh, Christianity. In Islam, you have Muhammad and you have Omar and you have the creation of the Islamic text in a single generation. And every one of them underwent issues of others meddling in the content of what 
had been delivered in that single generation. In the case of Moses, that took a, a form um, just prior to the Babylonian captivity that was, it, it had become violent. The disagreements of the Deuteronomists with the traditionalists had become violent at that point. It was the threat of violence by the um, revisionists, the, the folks that wanted to change the view of the Messiah, that drove Lehi and his family out of Jerusalem. And so that Lehi party preserves a tradition that is really the old religion uh, in the Book of Mormon. Um, in the New Testament, the texts of the New Testament, one of the, one of the researchers who's done a very good job of laying out the problem is Bart Ehrman. Um, he wrote, I know, I know the, the main title of the book. It's The Orthodox Corruption of Scripture, colon. And then what follows the colon, I'm, I can paraphrase, I can get pretty close. The Orthodox Corruption of Scripture, How the Christological Debates of the 3rd and 4th Century Altered the, the Christian Canon. Um, that's pretty close. Bart Ehrman, E-H-R-M-A-N. Um, he was one time a believing Christian theologian. He's now agnostic. He's lost his faith because his, his deep look into how the Christian canon was developed and altered affected his ability to trust the canon itself. One example of alteration that you can see from the Deuteronomist era is that the sacrifice of Isaac in the canon that we have uh, did not get completed. Isaac was not actually killed, but the ram was found in the thicket that saved his sacrifice. There was another tradition that Isaac actually was killed and that he was able to be brought back to life. That older tradition that involved the, the, the killing of Isaac and him making it back to life is preserved in the Book of Mormon, and it's also preserved in Paul's letter to the Hebrews, in which he mentions that Abraham proceeded with what he did because he believed that God was able to bring Isaac back to life. And um, that, that tradition got altered in part by the Deuteronomist. Well, there is, um, what is it, Psalms 2, 7, where the, the statement is made that thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Um, that statement was messianic and prophetic, and it was uh, at one point in some, if not all, of the gospel accounts. At the baptism of, of Jesus Christ, the statement quoted from Psalms appears there, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. That statement is also used by Paul in the letter to the Hebrews, as posing the question, unto whom has God said, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? Meaning, he's arguing that the Hebrews ought to believe in Jesus Christ 
because that's what heaven did for Jesus Christ. During the Christological debates, there was um, a group of people who denied that Christ was conceived miraculously to a virgin mother by God's intervention to create the pregnancy that resulted in the divine birth of Christ. They contended that Jesus was just an ordinary guy like any other guy and that there was no difference between him and the man on the street. However, the destiny of Jesus changed and his status altered when at the time of his baptism, he was told, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, at which point he became adopted into the son of, uh, or into God's family and the son of God. And so the, the adoptionists, that's what they called themselves, interpreted uh, the statement in scripture Thou art my son this day have I begotten thee, to mean that Jesus was just a chap like any other chap out there. And on the day of his baptism, God adopted him, and that's how he became the Messiah. Whereas others said, no, there's this, this other material we have to respect. He wasn't like you and me. He was, he was divinely conceived by a, a virgin mother, and he fulfilled a lot of prophecy in the process of coming into this world. And... Um, Bart Ehrman in his book shows how some of the anti-Nicene, the A-N-T-E, the before Nicene fathers, the early Christian fathers in the generation that followed the apostles and uh, up till the, the Council of Nicaea in 324, how many of those writers referred to the baptism of Jesus and in fact, quoted the words differently than, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. They quoted the words instead to be, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So um, Ehrman argued that this is a, a one of many clear-cut examples of how the text got altered in part because they were debating a doctrinal issue of how to understand Jesus Christ. Bart Ehrman's done good work with that. In the case of the Islamic canon, there are those, generally, it's the consensus, some will disagree, that Muhammad himself did not read or write, that he was functionally illiterate in the sense that um, he didn't compose the text of the book uh, of the Quran. Instead, he, he memorized it, he recited it, and that the correct way to perpetuate the Islamic tradition is by recitation and memorization. In fact, people use memorization as an act of devotion within the Islamic faith in order to prove that you can, in fact, perpetuate the entirety of the text intact through a, an oral tradition. Uh, Omar... Um, um, uh, reduced it to writing, the, the writing got preserved, but as happens with any written record and its preservation, there were different versions of the Quran that existed for a period of time. But, but Islam has, um, 
has embedded within it the possibility that if there is a religious disagreement about something that is considered sacred, then violence can be employed in order to establish the correct view because you can denounce and even kill uh, heresy and heretics. That culminated after a couple of hundred years in Islam with various versions of the Quran floating around in a purge in which different versions belonging to weaker um, believers, uh, numerically weaker, uh, militarily weaker, got conquered and the text got burned. And so we have a version of the Quran today that's considered orthodox because they managed to destroy competing versions of what was out there. But there are still Islamic scholars that recognize that there are, there are some parts of the Quran that may suitably read differently than, than they do today, whether they believe themselves orthodox, heterodox, or heretical. Um, that's something that those that believe in the faith would have to figure out. But, but they, had, they had the same kind of problem. I think anyone who is interested in understanding how a religion, any religion, came about should study Mormonism. Because Mormonism has available in real time the exact same process and phenomenon that happened in every one of the world's great religions. I left out Buddhism, but the same thing would be applicable to Buddhism. The same thing would be uh, applicable to Hinduism, although when you get to the Vedas, um, you're going so far back in history, there are debates about over how long a period of time some of those were developed. But all religions share similarly. They, they get founded, for the most part, single generation. Then they go through a metamorphosis process in which you're trying to get it into a stable form that can be perpetuated. That initial period between founding and assuming a stable form involves a whole lot of textual manipulation, um, textual destruction, uh, competing arguments, arrogant people who think that they have something valuable to contribute will insert themselves into the process. Uh, sincere people who may be meek and humble in their own right, but who devoutly, earnestly believe that something's wrong will use that conviction, that heartfelt conviction that the wrong thing needs to be fixed to go out and make their own changes to what's going on out of the goodness of their heart. It doesn't mean that they're vile people. It just means that this is what people do. The foregoing was recorded on March 4th, 2019 in Sandy, Utah. If you have questions or ideas for topics that you would like to have covered in this podcast, please submit them for consideration to questions at denversnufferpodcast.com. You can request baptism by visiting bornofwater.org.
A complete collection of Denver's talks, lectures, and papers are all available to download free of charge at restorationarchives.com. This podcast is a volunteer effort produced under the direction of Denver Snuffer. We hope you'll share it with everyone interested in learning more about Christ, the coming Zion, and the restoration of authentic Christianity now underway in our time.